Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast. Here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Kay Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge. Ew. I like there being a guy's voice there for that, you know, that, what is it called? Okay, real well, something, deep. something is what it's called. No, the solo, the tone. Alto. Alto. Welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast, where it's our goal to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. I'm your host, Michelle. You can find me on Twitter at Ball Blastem, Ball Blast E-M. And I'm Kate. You could follow me on Twitter at FF Ball Blast. And I'm Jake, and you can follow me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. With a W. Everyone, make sure to check out our awesome website, Ball Blast football.com smash that five star review on apple Podcasts if you have not yet or you know you can give us a nice review on any other app that you use as well uh, make sure to support our team of writers because they are killing it so when you're going to read that uh great research and material over at ballblastfootball.com you can also support our team by joining our patreon so that's patreon uh, dot com slash ball blast and we give away even more awesome uh, articles and research and most importantly our betting research because guys not everyone is good at betting it's a pretty hard thing to master but our guy brandon shoemaker did i say his last name correctly i think it's shoemaker shoemaker well shoemaker maker shoemaker brandon, brandon. Let us yeah he is killing it over there with his uh, betting guide. He like created an entire betting guide that you can purchase over at our store. Insane. But he also uh, puts up awesome articles every week over on our Patreon. So make sure to go subscribe over there today on our show. So last week we talked about the makings of a quarterback one of the quarterback one of the running back one. Not everyone has that potential. I know you want to say everyone does like, oh, this guy could be it. It's like, no, they really can't. We already got into that last week. If you missed that episode, go check it out. This week, we're going to get into wide receivers and tight ends. The making of the wide receiver one, the tight end one. And I know like you're thinking, well, the making of a tight end one is just having the name Travis Kelsey. Which is pretty much true. It is recipe 101. <laughs> I learned that in Home Ec, actually. Home Ec 101. Yeah, it's pretty much true. But we'll get into a few more guys that we think could possibly hit that. But we're probably talking about the wide rec- or the tight end two in that case. Because Travis Kelsey is just too good to beat out. Now, talk of the town this week. You know, you're kind of the talk of the town. Talk of the town. You're the talk of the town. Talk of the town. I feel like everyone is probably so sick of hearing about Aaron Rodgers, right? 
That's like I am. What I'm sick of it. <laughs> what would these TV shows on NFL Network or ESPN during football time that they have allotted even be talking about if Aaron Rodgers wasn't potentially holding out? We really have no idea if that's even his case, right? He's he never even said that he's holding out. But we have new news about him this week. News, news. News, news. News, news. News, new news. He officially did not opt out of the 2021 season. And what that means is that he could have used COVID-19 as an excuse as to why he didn't feel safe to play. And he would have actually like saved $18 million. I read potentially $18 million. He would have had a fight for some things. Uh, so he could have said, you know what? Screw the Packers. I'm just going to opt out. You still have to owe me $18 million. Ha ha. He didn't do that. Meaning if he does decide to not play this year and hold out, he kind of did it the wrong way. I'm like as a business terms, like he could have made $18 million and now he won't make that at all. Kind of like a la Le'Veon Bell. Ish. Mm. Yeah, but, but he didn't. But, but he's better than Le'Veon it Bell. It would have been like if Le'Veon Bell <laughs> had the chance to opt out and make $12 million, but he didn't and then, and then held out anyways, like that would not be the smartest in terms of the person, maybe not um, the most most ethical thing. So, Jake, do you think this means Aaron Rodgers officially plays in 2021? I think it's one of two things at this point, because that was such, I don't want to understate how important that date of the opt-out potential was, because he, he, that's a lot of money. I don't care how much money you've already made. That's a lot of money. And my thought was, there's the last of your negotiating power is saying, I have until this date to opt out, make me happy, or I'm just going to opt out. He didn't do that. So it's one of two things now. Either he is into it, he's going to play, and a lot of this has been overblown and over-exaggerated and just him wanting to not have to show up to the early parts of training camp and take his little leisure vacation that he did. Hey, he said he needed a mental health break, and that's what this has been for him. Good for him. Which is totally fair. If, if that's what it is and you want to sacrifice that little bit of money that he's had to give up to this point, great. And I hate you for putting all of your fans through this stress, but good <laughs> on you for like getting the mental health break that you need. But otherwise, the second thing is the money was never an issue for him because he has so much of it and he has such an easy fallback, which could easily be hosting Jeopardy or all of these other, um, you know, brand representation things that he could be a part of. I mean, State Farm probably owes him like $8 billion at this point for all those commercials. So he has the revenue where maybe money doesn't matter and he's still going to try and prove his point. For me, though, I think this was a really big step forward in showing that he didn't take that easy way out here to opt out. So I have always been wavering depending on the day. I think this says to me it's about 80% clear that he starts and plays for Packers this year. Yeah, and I don't even know if it was actually an option for him to do this and not be murdered, basically, by the media, by the fans, because everyone knows he's not actually opting out due to COVID-19. So he's almost making a mockery of the rule of COVID, right? He'd be doing that same thing of anyone that was actually in the need of opting out. Like that would be such a bad look that even though, yeah, you can save $18 million. Like that would be really, really gross, especially when you don't need it. 
uh, with how much money he's made. I'm happy he did not, even if he plans to hold out. What do you think this means for Aaron Rodgers, Kate? As somebody who just took Aaron Rodgers in my hashtag Scott Bush Bowl draft, uh, yeah, hoping this means he's going to be uh, ready to play the season. I, I do think that one of the things that maybe we're not talking about is the fact that Aaron Rodgers probably wants to play football. Like, maybe he's not thrilled about the circumstance, but I have to imagine he wants to play football. None of these guys play football because they're not absolutely in love with the game of football. I do think that Aaron Rodgers probably wants to be on the field. I think he wants to keep playing with Devontae Adams. All of that rigmarole about maybe him playing with Derek Carr. Get out of here. We know the real couple here that everybody needs to be talking about. It's Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I think he comes back, and I don't think that it's uh, it's really that up for debate. It would have been crappy for him to take advantage of that kind of a situation and manipulate the COVID rules like that if that were the case. He planned to opt out and all that stuff, but I do think he comes back, and I think it's just it comes down to his love of the game. I think he plays, Aaron. whether that is for the Packers or for the Broncos. One last thing on Rodgers he looks so skinny right now. Like in his Hawaii pictures and videos, he looks like he lost a lot, a lot of weight. And that's not necessarily a good thing for an NFL player. Uh, and he's it, maybe he's practicing on his own end and he's not filming that part like other guys are. But like, and I know Aaron Rodgers is one of the best to do it ever. But are we worried at all that he's just not training and that he's losing all this weight and that he's just out in Hawaii living his life, singing songs on the guitar and <laughs> Taylor Swift Can I say, albums? though, he did actually post, and I don't know if this was on Instagram or where it actually came out through, he is doing, like, this very makeshift training where he's, like, on a beach running uphill against, like, these things sort of pushing down against him. It's literally like a rocky training montage. It is... It's very weird, and it's definitely not, like, the most orthodox training method. Uh, but at this point in his career, like, as long as you're out there doing something, yeah, uh, great. Because you're right. I did get a little nervous. Like, you're dropping a lot of weight here, fella. Like, you're starting to look pretty, like, too surfer got over here. Like, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta keep some LBs on for this season, buddy. But, um, you know, if he's going to go the Keanu Reeves and point break method of quarterback training, then, hey, you do you. And, and as long as you come back, I don't care. I think we need to give him a little break, though. I mean, in Wisconsin, he's got all of the cheese curds he could ever, ever possibly imagine. Wow. It's, it, that's that's what he eats for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. On this island, what, he's got, like, fruit? Come on. Like, yeah, he's going to drop a couple of LBs. Once he's back in the the very cold harsh winter he's going to need to pack on the lbs he's going to be fine speaking of wisconsin 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 uh I, we haven't talked about are you excited that the milwaukee bucks are in the nba finals are you into base basketball like that congratulations I'm jake <laughs> you did it thanks i did it i did it personally <laughs> that was me i had a big part in this and i appreciate you recognizing that i am not a big basketball person i'm just not i am i'm 
fine to admit I'm a fair weather basketball fan. It's the same we for college, are. the same for NBA. I don't care. I don't pay attention to college until it's down to like the Sweet 16. I don't pay attention to NBA until it's down to this portion. Yeah, I'm rooting for them because I'm a Scani, but other than that, like I'm not expecting anything to come out of this, but yay. I guess that's, that's <laughs> neat that they did it. So Hashtag fear the demon. I thing. get really into the NBA during playoff times, and then I root for um, LeBron James really hard, but I definitely would be fake to be like, oh, yeah, I watch all of the Lakers games. It's like, no, I, I watch them once in a while during the season, and then I root for them super, super hard I watch once really we get into Laker the playoffs. Games. But I feel like that's how like NBA – Playoffs are a lot of fun. The NBA season's not a lot of fun because you have so long. like baseball to me. There's too many games. Yeah, there's too many games. Too many games, and even baseball playoffs aren't even fun. Before we get into our main segment today, let's talk a little bit about FanDraft, the online draft board. Take your league's fantasy football draft to the next level with FanDraft, the online fantasy football draft board. FanDraft makes your draft feel like the actual NFL draft with features such as streaming ticker, live draft clock custom logos, team walk-up songs, my personal favorite, multiple draft board displays, and more. FanDraft can be used offline for in-person drafts by exporting the display via projector or onto a large TV screen for the league to enjoy or remotely. So, like, instead of dealing with those annoying stickers... Blech, stickers. ...that literally always get out of order. And every time I say this ad, like, I get just as furious thinking about these stickers. Like, I'm not even making it up. No one can keep the stickers in order. It looks like the same exact draft. It's just on a projector. It's on your TV. It still looks like the stickers. But instead of going to have your find your stupid sticker, you're in the room with everyone. You pick the sticker on your computer... You have a walk-up song. You already, you, you know, you named your walk-up song that Got you want everyone. Swagger. Yeah, you know, you're just excited for the song to play while you pick this person, and you can pick different ones for each pick. And then once someone makes that pick, the rest of the room gets to either boo that pick, cheer on that pick. There's all these different sounds. Uh, and it's just a blast, and it's a great way. To, a ball blast. It's a ball blast. It's a great way to have fun without the annoyance. Sign up for a free trial. You just go try it out uh, and see how it works, and you can do that over at Fandraft.com. If you decide to make the purchase, use promo code BALLBLAST15, and you get 15% off your purchase. Again, that's Fandraft.com. Ball Blast 15 for 15% off your purchase. And they've got some early bird pricing. So, like, if you're an eager beaver and you want to get your league set, if you are a maestro of fantasy drafts, go on, get your purchase now because you're going to save your league mates lots of money. And guess what? When you save, save your league mates lots of money, you win more money. And that's the beautiful part. Yeah, baby. All right. Now let's get into our main segment today, and that is where we're going to start with our wide receiver ones. There can only be one. There can only be one, the wide receiver one each year. And you know how I mentioned in the last episode that quarterbacks and running backs, they need to be healthy, right, to end as the running back quarterback one. I mean, it's the same thing for wide receivers and tight ends, but there have been two wide receivers over the last eight years that have ended as the wide receiver one only playing 14 games. 
So that is interesting because there was none in the running backs and quarterbacks. They all had to play 15 or 16 games. And that was Devontae Adams because he scored 18 receiving touchdowns in 14 games and had nearly 1,400 yards and had 115 receptions. That's absurd. Who threw those bad boys? Um, (laughs) Aaron Rodgers. We don't have to go back in time. We talked about him already. (laughs) Hopefully he'll still be there this year. And then we have to go back to 2017. Antonio Brown, 163 targets in 14 games in 2017. And he put up a wide receiver one. It's pretty crazy looking back at the last eight, the wide receiver ones. I mean, if you go back to 2012, it's Calvin Johnson, a freaking monster. He's the only one to do this and not score nine plus touchdowns. He only scored five that year. He only scored five receiving touchdowns, guys, on 204 targets. 204 targets is absurd. He had 1,964 receiving yards and somehow only got into the end zone five times. But he's like a big touchdown scorer in his career. That's a wild year. Still ended as the wide receiver one. You go up to 2013, Demarius Thomas. He had a fantastic season with Peyton Manning, 14 touchdowns, 1,400 yards. Antonio Brown did it four seasons in a row. Like, that is... Oh, my God. That's so nuts. That's so... It's never going to happen again. In the future of the NFL, it is never going to happen again. Four seasons in a row. You just knew this dude. You can take number one overall, and he's going to kill it for you. 150 targets in each of those seasons. 181 targets in one season. 193 targets in another one of those seasons. Oh, my Uh, God. Double-digit touchdowns in three of those four. Nine in the other, but that was in his 14 game season like he was just perfection a hundred plus receptions in all of those seasons it killed it and then you had deandre hopkins took over in 2018 finally 11 reception or 11 touchdowns 1500 receiving yards we know michael thomas's 2019 year absurd 1700 receiving yards and then last year adams 18 touchdowns 1374 receiving yards so to be the wide receiver one you pretty much need at least 1,300 receiving yards, but most likely more than that, 1,400, 1,500. And you're going to need double-digit touchdowns or right there. And most importantly, you need the targets. You need around 150 to 160 to 170 targets. Like, you need around that area. And if you're going to not get too many, you know, if your catch percentage is low, if your yards per reception is low, you're going to need more targets. You're going to need to run that 180, 190 mark. So it's really, really hard to do, right? This is not an easy say to, especially when you're taking out the DeAndre Hopkins and the Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams, because we're only naming guys who haven't done it yet. Jake, can you give us another name of someone who can land there? Yeah, I think that there is a small subsection of guys that are very close to have already done this like they've they've come close they've come within the top three that i could say easily now they could do it maybe this year that would be stefan diggs that would be calvin ridley that would be uh even my main man keenan allen maybe possibly i want to point out somebody who has almost done this despite having just a literal trash heap throwing to him for the last few seasons and that's allen robinson Allen Robinson 
the targets are a big component of what you said, Michelle. Like, you need to have those targets. And Allen Robinson has hit 150 targets in four of his last six seasons. Uh, One of those seasons, he wasn't even healthy, so you shouldn't even really count that. He played, like, a game. But he is continually hitting that, whether it was with his team in Jacksonville, which I barely remember he played with, (laughs) to the point that now he's with Chicago. And even just last year, he had 151 targets. He had 102 receptions, 1,250 yards. His big hindrance was the touchdown column. He only had six. Now, obviously, we know touchdowns aren't always going to be the stickiest stat, but if you're looking as a way to project who's going to get that, it it starts with the quarterback. Who's the quarterback that's going to help move the ball down the field, get more first downs, get them within range for the red zone? Is that going to be Mitchell Trubisky? Or is it maybe going to be Justin Fields when he gets uh, started here? Now, I know we've talked... I know we talked already. Andy Dalton, it seems like, is going to get that cursory first start just because Matt Nagy is an idiot and is talking all kinds of strange in this offseason. But I'll give him a game, and then it's Fields time. And even with that first game, you can you can guarantee, even if Dalton does start for a couple of games, Allen Robinson is going to get like 10 targets and each of those starts. You know, he may not be able to do as much with it as he will when Justin Fields starts, but that is coming. That is happening. And there's nobody that they added. There's nobody on the roster right now that is going to encroach on his target share from last season. I mean, we already had Jimmy Graham there. The the old man, Jimmy Graham, who has taken some of those touchdowns. But he is even a year older and a year more removed from his heyday. And then there's Cole Komet. Cole Komet has not obviously taken that big leap. It's just his year two. And then we've got Darnell Mooney, who I know is a lot of people's offseason darling here. That is not the type of competition that is going to leach into Allen Robinson's targets to take him down below that 150 threshold. So it is literally just a matter of, can Allen Robinson get into the end zone a handful more times? That's all it takes, and all of a sudden he is right there in that wide receiver one category. And Justin Fields, I don't care how raw you think he is, he is not going to be worse than Andy Dalton. He is not going to be worse than Mitch Trubisky from my vantage point. So sorry, Andy. Sorry, Mitchie. But that is just how it is. And and so it seems a very clear path for him. Sorry, Tariq Cohen, you're not taking away enough catches for him to, to be in that category either. So it's really a pretty easy one for me. And I don't even, it's not like I have this dagger of a stat that's going to give that credence for him to do it. It just seems fairly obvious that he can take a, a pretty easy step forward. Yeah, he gets the targets. He's a great, he's an elite wide receiver. He literally just needs the touchdowns. And I totally agree with you. If he gets a better quarterback, he might not even, he can't do it with Andy Dolan, I don't think. But with (laughs) Justin Fields, I do think that he could reach that potential. And I'm not, like, just like you, I'm not worried about Darnell Mooney stealing too much. I'm probably lower on Darnell Mooney than most. Like, I get it. He was exciting for that fifth round pick that you know whatever you paid for him but like let's relax that's what it comes down to it comes down to like when people find these values that they weren't expecting where you really have to pay nothing and then you're able to trade you know x asset for whatever that's what it comes down to it's not necessarily 
how much long-term value can this guy provide? Sometimes it's just, did I have to pay a lot? No. Elite. <laughs> right. Because by contrast, like having to overpay for somebody who is just barely not elite, yeah. it makes you feel like, oh, but I can get this guy. But he's like, he has some uh, un uncooked gold. That's a phrase <laughs> that people say, right? Uncooked he has some gold. uncooked gold. It is now. All right, Kate, yeah. who are, and, sorry, Jake, I just totally cut you off there. No, that's it. I, I think you should have cut me off like about a minute <laughs> earlier before I got to that uncooked gold comment, quite frankly. <laughs> All right, Kate, who do you think could be the wide receiver one? Is there anyone obvious before you get into someone that's maybe not more obvious? I mean, I think I need to keep hammering home the Calvin Ridley wide receiver one. That has been sort of my one pinnacle. I feel like I haven't felt this strongly about a take since Derrick Henry RB2 season. Humble brag. Humble brag. Uh, I do, <laughs> I'm feeling very passionate about Calvin Ridley. The opportunity is there. The splits are there when he has played with Julio Jones versus without. I mean, it, the target share is absolutely ridiculous. Averaging 11 targets per game in his eight career games without Julio Jones. 20 PPR points per game. He was already a top five wide receiver, and that was with Julio Jones playing half a game, playing a couple snaps, play, like playing some games, but having a decent target share. He, it was a it was a hornswoggle of competition there. And honestly, his stat line looks like these guys. I mean, it's 178 targets without Julio Jones, like a pace of six, like a 16 game pace of 178 targets. If you weren't playing with Julio Jones, 1700 receiving yards. We already know he's a touchdown scorer. He's been very good at getting into the end zone in his career. Like this is, this is probably the easiest answer. I think Oh, it's 100% And I would have thought that easy. before you started bringing him up. So I will say that you you got this into my brain. But I really actually believe that Calvin Ridley can be the wide receiver one next year. That's this a compliment. Season. I heard it. You can't take it back. You gave her a compliment <laughs> on air. You did give me a compliment. Like this year, um, this is what I'm going to do ahead of the, the 2020 season. I'm going to go to a club here in Pittsburgh. I'm going to get a booth. What do they call that? Bottle service. And I'm going to invite me. Calvin Ridley and J.D. McKissick, and we are going to party into the night. <laughs> Not Zach Moss? Oh, Zach Moss, too. <laughs> yeah. He, It's actually his club. Okay. So that makes sense. He's invited by default. <laughs> so my my sleeper heard, pick. Yeah, I was going to say, we've heard all about Calvin Ridley. Give us another player that you, can think, you think can end as the wide receiver one. I'm going with Terry McLaurin, and I feel like this is so overdue for him. It, he feels like probably the oldest and most experienced wide receiver going into his third season in he the NFL. Pretty old. He I mean he is literally old. He's 20. Not old. He's 25. So not literally. Not old. literally old. <laughs> uh Michelle says I have to work on my literallys, but uh for an NFL wide receiver, yes, he is on the older side as he enters his third year, but he's just he's been a very good wide receiver and he has been in a very poopy offense. Very poopy. The poopiest. I want to just chart out the quarterbacks that he's played with so far in his two NFL seasons. Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, Colt McCoy, Alex Smith, Kyle Allen. Pour one out for Terry McLaurin and all of the coulda, coulda, shoulda, wouldas in his first two seasons, which, I mean, his first two seasons were absolutely very productive. 
We're going into 2021. They had a really, really nice bounce back for their offensive line in the 2020 season. Ranked sixth among all wide receivers last season in yards after the catch, 11th in receiving yards, again, in said poopy offense with said poopy quarterbacks, 15th in receptions. He was the wide wide receiver, 19 in half PPR formats. But this is what's crazy. So I was just looking at Terry McLaurin. What has he done compared to other third-year wide receivers? And I was like, oh, you know who's in his draft class? Studley DK Metcalf, who's I, I've never seen Terry drafted ahead of DK Metcalf, period. Never, 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 never. If you look at what they've accomplished over the last two seasons, Terry with his poo quarterbacks, DK Metcalf with I mean, Russ, he's he's cooking Russ. Terry McLaurin has had seven games with 20 or more fantasy points, six top 12 finishes, 13 top 24 finishes, two DK Metcalf, seven games with 20 or more fantasy points, five top five finishes, and 11 top 24 finishes. So uh, for those of you math whizzes, that is one fewer top 12 fantasy finish for DK Metcalf, two fewer top 24 fantasy finishes for DK Metcalf. And now we get Ryan Fitzpatrick, baby, Ryan Fitzmagic. I'm so excited to see what he is going to do in this offense with a decent offensive line. You add in Curtis Samuel, who I'm not, I've never been like the biggest fan of for fantasy, but I think he's a very talented wide receiver. I think he's a dynamic player. Ryan Fitzpatrick actually ranked 11th in adjusted completion percentage last season. And of the 20 quarterbacks since 2018 to have at least 100 big completions, which 20, 20 plus yards, Fitzpatrick is ranked among them, right? That's a lot of big plays. And guess what? He has very few starts in that time. Ranks fourth in plays of 20 plus yards per start. I love the big play potential for this entire offense, but Terry McLaurin, he's shown he's got the cojones to be a team's wide receiver one. And I think out of all of these guys, we're looking at somebody who might be the most underrated sleeper that has the potential to finish as the wide receiver one. I don't mind it. I love that. I don't mind it. He, he fits the bill where he should get the targets. He doesn't he doesn't see enough targets for how talented he is, but I think with Ryan Fitzpatrick instead of the poopy poopy quarterbacks he's been playing with, like he should get him. Poopay. And I'm I don't consider Curtis Samuel that much of competition. He's a good wide receiver. He'll open things up, but I don't consider him too much of competition for someone not to be a wide receiver one. It's all I depends think he on makes your do you get Fitz Magic or do you get it's, it's tragic. tragic. Like, that's the question. It doesn't Look, matter. I think if you get both combined, if you get Fitzmagic with Fitztragic, his history has already shown that when he hyper-targets a particular wide receiver, it doesn't matter how bad his, his games are as a fantasy quarterback, that he sustains that elite level, or near elite, I should say, for his top wide receiver target. I think, you know... Terry McLaurin is a better wide receiver than anybody he's played with for the last four years. So I would give that edge to McLaurin. And Mike I Evans might it. slap you in the face when he sees you in person. Ooh, you're right. Oh, I'm and sorry, Chris Mikey. Gotten, That's my bad. And Rashad Perryman. <laughs> and Rashad Perryman. Oh, God. 
Detroit's the wide receiver one. Yeah. All right. The wide receiver one. I feel like there's two more names we have to hit on before I get into my sleeper pick. Which... Or your get to your stupid yeah. sleeper pick. Uh, Stefan Diggs, uh, like he ended as the wide receiver three last year. I will say, I feel like it was the most perfect year for him in life. He got so many targets. He was just the entire Bills offense on a team that passed so, so, so much so much and with Josh Allen just scoring 1 million touchdowns and throwing for so many yards and he still didn't end as the wide receiver one so I, I, I obviously he has that potential it just seems unlikely at this point right he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns in his entire career he's just not really a touchdown guy somehow Josh Allen like what threw 37 touchdowns last year Stephon Diggs was the main guy there and still only ended up with eight that, that seems off uh but Stephon Diggs is going to be fantastic, and if you draft him and he's the wide receiver three, which is most likely like pretty reasonable, you're going to be thrilled. So he doesn't have to be the wide receiver one. And then Tyree Kill, people are like, why have you not brought him up yet? He doesn't get enough targets. Like 137 targets is the most in his, in his career. He wasn't the wide receiver one last year. I know he was the wide receiver two, but he needed 15 receiving touchdowns to do that. And that's really hard to duplicate. So I I just don't think he gets enough work to be the wide receiver one. Obviously, it can happen. He was the wide receiver too. I'm just being picky, probably. Are you ready for me to get into my pick? No. Do it. Let's rip this Band-Aid off. Let's do it. It's Devonta Smith. And I don't, <laughs> I don't want to hear it, guys. I really, really just don't want to hear it because A... You picked Terry McLaurin with Ryan Fitztragic. Oh, my God. You picked Allen Robinson. You picked Allen Robinson with Andy Dalton for probably half No. With Justin Fields. You take it back. You cannot be. Oh, my. You cannot be. Oh, my. I'm just saying. You picked these wide receivers with terrible quarterbacks. And it's okay because those wide receivers are elite. Guess who else is elite? It's Devonta Smith. This is your worst take ever. It's really, really not. (laughs) So what we already talked about when we're looking at these wide receivers that can finish number one is that there's no competition for targets. And I'm sorry, there is no competition for targets. It's Dallas Goddard. He is the top competition. And no matter, 100 targets is what his ceiling, basically, maybe a little bit more than that. Like, he doesn't have true competition anywhere else for targets. He is the main guy. And I don't care that you say he's a rookie what he did in college is absolutely absurd when you're looking at the sec acc and big 10 conferences the three hardest conferences to play in you're looking at the last six or 15 seasons players to have a 1200 plus receiving yard season and 15 plus receiving yard season is devonta smith jamar chase so I love him too, Amari um, Cooper, Justin Jefferson, DeAndre Hopkins, and Calvin Ridley. That's it. That's the entire list. I'm not leaving anyone off. Those are elite, elite, elite wide receivers. Elite? I guess, guess we have to wait on Chase and Smith to see. So, But Cooper, Jefferson, Hopkins, and Calvin Johnson are pretty great. And 
I just used the minimums of 1,200 receiving yards and 15 touchdowns. Like, Devonta Smith murdered those numbers. He didn't just hit them. He murdered them. He had nearly 1,900 receiving yards, nearly 700 receiving yards more than that minimum I used, and 23 receiving touchdowns, eight more receiving touchdowns than the minimum I used. And he almost made this list twice, guys. He missed it in 2019 by one touchdown. So he was almost among that list twice. Like, let's not forget he led an offense in Alabama of four first-round wide receivers. People like to say he didn't break out to his senior year. It's like, well, he led his team of four first-round wide receivers in 2019. So how can you say that? When you're looking at college players that average 125-plus receiving yards per game in a season and had more than 22 receiving touchdowns uh, in a single season, that's Devonta Smith and Devontae Adams. Those are the only two wide receivers to do it. Now, Adams didn't break out for a while in the NFL, but he had a ton of competition and just the dropsies. I don't know what was really wrong with him. And people will say, Michelle, Justin Jefferson just had the just beat the record for the most receiving yards by a rookie wide receiver in NFL history. And he wasn't the wide receiver one. He was the wide receiver six. But he beat that record. He didn't get a ton of volume. He didn't see a lot of targets. He didn't have a ton of receptions. And he didn't have a ton of touchdowns. He only had seven. So I do think that Devonta Smith in this offense can see more targets, will get more receptions, and has a chance to score more touchdowns because we know he's a big touchdown scorer. He was in Alabama. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do all of this. I'm saying he has the opportunity to, and he has the talent to do so. And if you're looking at past experience, like, has this ever happened? Anquan Bolden was electric his rookie season. He had over 100 receptions, 165 targets his rookie season, nearly 1,400 receiving yards, and only eight receiving touchdowns. So he was the wide receiver for that year, but only eight receiving touchdowns. We're going to need more of that out of Devonta Smith. He did that with two garbage quarterbacks and Jeff Blake, 13 games started. Do you remember Jeff Blake? Because I don't. No. Uh, he had a 56.7 <laughs> completion percentage that year. That was yeah. that was a quarterback throwing to Anquan Bolden, and then also Josh McCown started three games. Good for him, still kicking it. Uh, that was hey, a long Josh time ago, 2003. Uh, so, like we've seen this happen before from an amazing wide receiver with a bad quarterback, and I think Jalen Hurts is actually going to be a good quarterback. But I'm saying even if Jalen Hurts doesn't take that step forward, we've seen someone exceed expectations greatly. 1,400 receiving yards, 101 receptions, 165 targets in his rookie season with terrible quarterback play and be the wide receiver three. He was only behind Randy Moss, like forgive him, and uh, Torrey Holt, who was also really good back in the day. I think Devonta Smith has this opportunity. I think the offensive line is going to be elite. Jalen Hurts is going to take that step forward. He fed CeeDee Lamb like no other at Oklahoma in his last year. I, I feel it. I, I think he has the potential to be that high. If this happens, I have an honest question. Yeah. I, I, I Literally. Seriously, this is a serious question. If Zach Ertz stays in Philadelphia, if he does not truly get cut, do you still believe that he has wide receiver one potential? It would definitely hurt. It would hurt a bit. Okay. So, no. 
Yeah, I would probably. I mean, it's it's likely that Ertz is on the way out. It's just that little possibility because he hasn't gotten moved yet. And if there are two reliable tight end options, that can hurt somebody's upside sometimes as a wide receiver. Yeah, it would. And I, like, I don't know if it would be both Ertz and Goddard doing their thing. It would probably be a little bit split. So I don't think it would hurt him too much. I still think he'd have easy top 10 ceiling. But the wide receiver one ceiling like it's already crazy so you add on like it's our the, the scale's about to tip already you add on that one more pound and yeah it's probably done i don't think especially it's poundage against devonta smith like that's a problem Ooh, burn <laughs> i don't think burn thin man <laughs> i don't think it's that wild guys the Come eagles on. defense is bad they're going to, have to throw a ton we already saw jalen hurts throw a ton we saw him have two 300 plus re- passing yard games and four games like it can happen it can happen it could happen but i do want to say like in order to get to wide receiver two last year justin jefferson would have needed to tack on an extra seven touchdowns to his total to to get to number two because i do Devonta adams just had a weird ridiculous wild season and i don't expect that but like to get to number two you have to really start packing on those touchdowns I think you would have to, like, believe in the Eagles' offense as a whole to actually make that happen. And, like, I I can't get there, but if you believe Hurts writes those ships, then... And I will say, Tyreek Hill was a wide receiver, too. He scored 15 touchdowns. That's still a ton. Hmm. And he didn't have that many reception or receiving yards. Like, that wouldn't be that hard to beat Tyreek Hill. He only had 1,200 receiving yards, like 80-something receptions. Obviously, it's never easy. Like, I'm not saying a, wide, a rookie wide receiver could just come in here and easily do Tyreek Hill's production. It's, it, I guess it is going to come down to touchdowns, but who else is catching touchdowns in the Eagles' offense? Like, there's <laughs> exactly. no one out there. And we already know Devonta Smith is a literal beast and he scores on every play 23 touchdowns is no joke in the sec and like having 15 touchdowns a year before that is no joke either like that's not something that happens like very often and he did it two years in a row he i think people are underestimating how talented he is talent yes are we underestimating his potential in year one i don't know all right, let's get into the tight ends. And before we get into the tight ends, I'm going to crack cold one. Nice. After that conversation, so I need to open up so a white crazy. claw because you guys are driving me crazy. We're driving you crazy. <laughs> white claw, that's a potential sponsorship opportunity, by the way. Oh, I would love that. Hashtag white claw. Hashtag watermelon 12 pack. All right, the tight end position, I mean, it's even silly to talk about at this point. This is so stupid. We just said Antonio Brown, it was wild that he was the wide receiver one for four seasons in a row. Travis Kelsey has been the tight end one for five seasons in a row. He's been the tight end one since 2016. Now, he's actually had some years where it's like, oh, I'm shocked he was the tight end one there. It just shows you how bad the tight end position has been for so long. Like in 2016, he was the tight end one with 117 targets, 1,100 receiving yards, and four receiving touchdowns. He's actually been the tight end one with five or fewer touchdowns twice, which you think of the tight end position as like, oh, very touchdown dependent. I mean, with Kelsey's at for his last five years, it's 11, 5, 10, 8, 4. Not that many touchdowns. 
you go back a couple more years, and that's when Rob Gronkowski was the tight end one for two years in a row. He had 11 and 12 touchdowns, uh, getting a little bit fewer targets than Kelsey gets on average, but kind of right there, 120, 131. I feel like we really just need to recategorize Travis Kelsey at this point. Like, can we get him out of the tight end position? Because he's ruining all of the stats. He is the pinned tweet of fantasy tight ends. Oh he will gosh. not go away. You're going to have to force him out of that thing. And, and maybe somebody that we're talking about here can do that. <laughs> but I don't know. So one thing I did want to point out here is that, so we have Travis Kelsey, Gronk, and Jimmy Graham. Those are the only three tight ends over the last eight seasons to be a tight end one. I mean, that's kind of Kelsey's fault. These tight ends have played with really good quarterbacks. I mean, Kelsey's been playing with Patrick Mahomes. Gronk played with Tom Brady. Jimmy Graham played with Drew Brees that 2013 year that he was the tight end one. You do have to bring up the Alex Smith years. Travis Kelsey was the tight end one with Alex Smith in 2016 and 2017. Who is hashtag good at football? Yeah, but it's kind of shocking here. So maybe we're looking at tight ends that have to play with a good quarterback. It's kind of hard to pick out what tight ends need here. Because Travis Kelsey has just kind of destroyed it. But you go back and look at the last few years and just look at the top 10 tight ends in any given year, and they all play on teams without competition. So that's what you need, right? Not even just be the tight end one. You need to play on a team that's going to make you the focal point. Yes, Tyreek Hill's great, but Travis Kelsey's still the focal point of that offense. He is everything. And there's enough to go around for both of them because they play with Patrick Friggin Mahomes. So you have to think about that, right? I do think a tight end to be the tight end one needs to at least be the second target on our team, if not the first. And if they're the second target on the team, then there has to be enough targets to go around to get them to 130 to 140 targets for that season. Jake, who has that possibility besides Travis Kelsey? Uh, I mean, there's Kelsey, and there there is a couple of guys who are a great value for your teams that are still probably not going to get you there, and those guys would be Darren Waller, of course, who I think is almost everybody's tight end, too, at this point, because he is so close to being a wide receiver, and then there's TJ Hawkinson, there's Kyle Pitts, yes, really, rookie tight end Kyle Pitts. Or even as a, as a dart throw in, at tight end, sometimes that's what you need. It's like one of Johnny Smith or Hunter Henry. And I don't know who that would be, by the way. I, I can't even fathom. <laughs> I'm just saying one of those two could potentially be that guy. My money would be on Johnny Smith, who is sort of the more versatile. Uh, Belichick loves him and his versatility, and it seems like he could be used as a wide receiver. But I'm going to go with the guy right now who is being touted as basically just one, a tight end unicorn, and two, essentially a wide receiver, and that is Kyle Pitts, Whoa. rookie tight end for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, there's nobody else to me that screams that upside. Why is and he allowed yeah, to say Kyle Pitts? Dangerous. Why are you allowed to say it's Kyle dangerous. Pitts, and I'm not allowed to say Devonta Smith? Because Jake I, is. I mean, beautiful. you can. You did. Jake. Jake has a beautiful brain, I just, okay. and I'm amazed. <laughs> I'm amazed at what just came out of his brain. Jacqueline, explain the difference to me. Whoa. Did you just call me Jacqueline? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, here's what I think could happen with Kyle Pitts. And, it, and again, this is not a likelihood, and I think we're, again, laying the baseline. Travis Kelsey is the tight end one. But 
if everything went right for Kyle Pitts, and he was truly coming into this Arthur Smith-led offense for the Atlanta Falcons as, yes, a rookie tight end, but truly a rookie tight end wide receiver hybrid, I think what we have to look at is a couple of very obvious things. One, they still don't have a very good backfield in Atlanta that's going to vulture a bunch of targets. Last year, obviously, that wasn't the case when Todd Gurley led. I like Mike Davis, but I do not believe that he is going to be this major target hog in their backfield. And then, obviously, Julio Jones left. He left town. He is gone. And I and I love you, Julio, and I wish you well in Tennessee, but that leaves only Calvin Ridley. And, Kate, obviously, as you're saying, that makes him a very obvious candidate to be the wide receiver one. But bear with me here. Calvin Ridley, in his rookie season with Atlanta, scored 206.8 fantasy points in full PPR. That would have made him the tight end three in last year's scoring four tight ends. So again, if we're treating Kyle Pitts as basically a wide receiver, now he doesn't have to actually compete with Julio Jones. He has to compete with Calvin Ridley, who, I mean, you can argue about that, but I would say Julio in his prime is better than Calvin Ridley currently, and and maybe it's splitting hairs, but it's also an Arthur Smith-led offense who made Janu Smith the contract to get this offseason for Bill Belichick. He, and, and I think a lot of us were disappointed in how his season actually ended last year, Janu Smith's, but like he was turned into a target that I don't know anybody ever expected him to be. The issue though, is that he was never fantasy, like he was fantasy relevant, but he was never dominant for fantasy. He was fantasy relevant for like the first seven weeks of last year where he was the tight end five, I want to say, through the first six to seven weeks. But that's Jonu Smith. So my point is Kyle Pitts is inarguably a better prospect than Jonu Smith could be even right now. If Jonu Smith was coming out of college right now with all this NFL experience, I would say that nine out of ten people would still be like, give me Kyle Pitts. And so that's what gives me hope for Pitts as this tight end one option because you do have to look at... The targets are going to be there. I know that it's slightly different for the offensive scheme, but Atlanta has been top of the charts for offensive um, passing attempts. I suppose defensive passing attempts probably aren't a thing, but they have been <laughs> tops in passing attempts for the last three years, basically. They've been in the top five that entire time. So Matt Ryan's still going to sling it. I believe that to be true. I believe that even though Julio didn't get a ton of uh, touchdown opportunities, I think that Pitts now has the opportunity to get a bunch of touchdowns because the focus should be on Calvin Ridley. So, look, the the attempt should be there. The target should be there. The touchdown upside, I think, is there. And it would be wild if it happened, but I could see it happening because he's a damn unicorn. Twitter would go insane. Oh, we would just have to, <laughs> like, put a stop to fantasy Twitter and just shut it down. We're done. You're not going to do better than that. Yeah. No, I would. I mean, I would love to see it. And I hope he just falls out immediately. That would be sick. I do want to point something out, though, Jake, is that all of those reasons why you love Kyle Pitts and feel like he has that ceiling as the tight end one this season are all of the same reasons why I keep ending up with Hayden Hurst in my underdog fantasy drafts because... Ooh. Everything applies to Hayden They did Hurst. not He's draft not... Kyle Pitts at number four to be like, Hayden Hurts, get out there. 
Hayden Hurst, literally, like, so they vacated all of those targets with Julio Jones, right? Hayden Hurst doesn't need to assume any of those targets. If he just literally kept his target share from last season, he's got, what, 88 targets? I like, feel like... Who else is going to take the the lion's share of the Julio Jones targets I'll say, plus take away I'll say I don't think they were happy with what Hayden Hurts did with his targets. And if they were, because they traded a second for him. You still need if they to were, throw them. If they were happy with what he did, they wouldn't have had to spend a fourth overall pick when their team is garbage. They could have used the pick on anybody else on a much more valuable position than a tight end. Okay, they and if they actually thought Hayden Hurts was a good tight end, if they were happy with what he did last year, they don't take Kyle Pitts at number four. Michelle, I think that's a really silly thing to say because nobody takes a tight end. No, literally nobody has ever taken a tight end at number four. Literally nobody has done it. You did it because of Kyle Pitts. You didn't do it because Hayden Hurst disappointed you. You didn't like you didn't pay much for Hayden Hurst. He was a former first round pick. If the Raiders are number four or okay, the Chiefs are number get four, out. do get they out. take Kyle Pitts? I think so. Or I think you at least trade back because I think that's the right pick there. If this is a transition year, then I can see a way where Hurst and Pitts basically split because they're trying to work Pitts into the offense. But I will say, if you're just attacking the late round tight end strategy, I'm fine with that. Like take Hurst there because if, if I want, like, Hurst versus Austin Hoover, I do want Hayden Hurst because that offense is going to be way more high-powered than Cleveland. It's almost like we saw Hayden Hurst with a better tight end before, and Hayden Hurst was mm. the higher-drafted player in the same exact draft, and Mark Andrews was the only tight end that mattered in fantasy while Hayden Hurst played a lot of snaps but was completely pointless. So I can, yeah. Stop bringing up facts, Michelle. He's going, I hate that you're bringing up facts right now. He's going to play on the field. I am not, I'm just saying like in terms of draft capital, I don't need to even probably spend a top, uh, Hayden Hurst is probably not going to finish in the top 24 of tight end in ADP. But I do think that he is easily going to finish probably within the top 15. And I don't think anybody cares because the unicorn is so pretty. And also nobody wants anyone that's even 10 to 15 tight end. Like they're not helping you in. Moving mm. on. Kate, who is a player that you think can end as the tight end one ceiling? We're running out of time here. I already so talked about him. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm going to save you all some time. It's TJ Hawkinson. I literally think he could take home yeah. tight end one this season. We've like, talked about him so much. We have, but... Uh, as a reminder, uh, let's look at the the stuff that we talked about that we need our tight ends to do, right? Uh, opportunity, yes. He is the wide receiver one in that offense. He's effectively Darren Waller. Uh, they don't have a ton of talent there. You have a quarterback under center who has been willing to utilize the tight end position. You have a head coach who was a former tight end himself and was a former tight ends coach I mean, there is nobody else that is set to assume that role. You have a crappy defense. You have a crappy secondary. They're going to need to throw the ball. I just think the recipe is perfect, and I do think that he has the potential to see the volume that could literally make him the tight end one this season, period. I don't need to say more than that. Yeah, and I'll— That volume— enough could could do it like literally just with the volume and i it would be crazy do, i am worried a little bit with what you said he can be like darren waller i think what you're saying like targets i don't think he's going to do as much with them because darren waller 
like Kyle Pitts, this is why Kyle Pitts is compared to Darren Waller. He's a freak athlete. He was a wide receiver, I think, in college. I may be making that up. But I, he was a wide receiver at some point in his career. And he ran a 4.46 coming out of school. His speed score was in the 99th percentile. Like, it was completely different than TJ Hawkinson, who ran a 4.7. Like, 4.46, 4.7s quite different speed score 76 percentile for tight ends like still really good and actually his best comparable is to travis kelsey so tj hawkinson can be really really good like the i mean we're acting travis kelsey, like but... he wasn't the top tight end prospect of his class yeah like... no i really like tj hawkinson i just don't want people to think like ooh, if he gets the same amount of targets as darren waller he would perform like darren waller like i think darren waller could just do special things that. I think Darren Waller is very special, but I'm saying like the way that Darren Waller is utilized as the primary receiving target, I I think that that can easily be TJ Hawkinson. Like you don't see the Raiders going out and just pulling at teeth to try to find a wide receiver to throw yeah. to. They're just like, okay, we'll we'll just throw it to Darren. No, I I completely <laughs> agree with you. Where I think TJ Hawkinson. Like, definitely fits in this category. One last thing I just want to say about Darren Waller because it really oh, gets under my skin on Twitter is people are like, well, this tight end didn't break, or Darren Waller didn't break out until this year of his career. This tight end still has a chance. It's like, do you not know his history? Can we please use some context? Like, Darren Waller didn't break out because he had personal issues and drug issues and, like, completely different reasons. It had nothing to do with talent. Once he got clean and was able to play, then he was great. Like, you can't just compare someone that's actually been working their butt off and failing to someone that was not uh, and had the talent and he just needed to uh, be clean. But, yeah, totally different situations. Anyways, I like your pick, TJ Hawkinson. Easy. Yes. Mine is even easier. It's George Kittle. He hasn't been a tight end one yet. I don't want to get too cute here because it's just, it's the tight ends, you know? And I feel like people aren't giving George Kittle enough credit. Like, people are easily taking Darren Waller over him. People are thinking about taking Kyle Pitts over him. And we've seen it happen in Scott Fishbowl over this last week. If you're in that tournament, uh, people are getting crazy and taking Kyle Pitts over George Kittle. George Kittle has scored 16 fantasy points per game. Since 2018, for the last three seasons in games he's played, he scored 16 fantasy points per game. That's second among tight ends, just behind Travis Kelsey. He has averaged 75-plus receiving yards per game played in three straight seasons. He is one of five players in the NFL to do so. That's Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. Those are the five to average 75 receiving yards per game or more in the last three seasons. What, like, he is insanely talented. He is the tight end, too, I think. I don't know. It's hard. Darren Waller's so good. But his fantasy finishes each of the last three years in points per game. It's tight end three, tight end two, tight end three. Like, he's so consistent, and he's doing all of that while he doesn't score touchdowns. His highest career season in touchdowns is five. Imagine if he scored some touchdowns. Like he he's already the three two three. That's where he's ending. Tight end three, tight end two, tight end three, and he's uh, scored five touchdowns max. If he got to those double digits, he would be the tight end one most likely in any season because of what he does elsewhere. I'm not worried about Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Like yeah, they're there and they'll take some targets away. 
but I think they also open up the offense altogether. Devo Samuel to me is kind of like a Curtis Samuel where no, I'm not worried about him hurting anyone's value. Maybe Brandon Ayuk, but I, I still just think having a good wide receiver one there could help him. And their biggest issue with the 49ers is they get down the field just fine in between the 20s. They turn the ball over like crazy, and they can't get into the end zone. I don't know why. Take out Jimmy G, take out Nick Mullins, take out C.J. Beathard, put in Trey Lance. Hopefully his rushing threat will open up everything near the goal line. And we know Trey Lance did not turn over the ball like at all in North Dakota State. Hopefully he can keep that up in the NFL. I mean, obviously George Kittle could be the tight end one, right? Yeah. Yeah. He definitely can. I'm lower on him than most people are this year, just because, again, I don't see him exceeding the 100 targets very easily. But I could so easily be wrong about that that it it just makes sense that, yeah, he would he would pretty easily fit into that conversation. I, didn't he have, like, 68 targets in uh, eight games last year? Yeah, 63 targets in eight games last year. So he was on pace for 126. That was with, again— Without both Debo and Ayuk healthy at the same time, that's the only thing that you would even really consider. And maybe if Trey Lance doesn't throw quite as much because he runs, but even regardless, like the touchdown upside is so undoubtedly there. Kyle Shanahan goes into the season, and you don't think uh, George Kittle is his focal point of his offense? You think he changes that and makes Brandon Ayuk the focal point? I love Ayuk, and I think both can be big parts, but you don't think the offense is going to continue to run through George Kittle? He could easily be 1A, but then the 1B could easily be Ayuk. And that's what scares me is like, because then you're basically taking that, again, maybe limited passing production, maybe. And then you're having to split it two ways and then add in these other very talented wide receivers that can they want to get the ball to. Like Debo, I think they want to get the ball to any way they can. And that's the only thing that scares me. But again, it's, it's kind of small potatoes because you know that offense is going to be great. Yeah. And it is different because some people might be saying, well, Travis Kelsey does it with Tyreek Hill, but it is completely different because the Chiefs pass so much. And so far, what we know out of the 49ers is that they don't, and I can't picture that increasing with a mobile quarterback uh, that rushes first like Trey Lance. So it's definitely a riskier pick. But I mean, that's, that's my no one should be taking Kyle, No one should be taking Kyle Pitts over George Kittle no. this year for no. 2021. Would you? Not straight up. At ADP, I would. At ADP, because you're maybe getting pits a, a round or two later, then I would consider it. But straight up, hell no. later. Like, is it really worth it? It's a few picks later. Uh, checked underdog fantasy. If it's two rounds, I'd do it. And officially, yeah. you have Kyle Pitts going ahead of TJ Hawkinson. That is not okay. Ooh, that is not okay. Straight up. If you want that glory play, <laughs> you do it and you take pits and you ride it into the flames. Well, like, God, imagine. I would rather bus. Kyle Pitts than TJ Hawkinson. Oh my <gasps> God. Oh no. Divorce. It happened. Get it out of happened. my house. On this I can't buy into podcast. the TJ. I love TJ Hawkinson. Oh, I don't know what God. happened. It's so, no, it's I so weird. I think he's going you, to be right it's at the so weird. tight end five. It's so weird in. how you love him so much, and he's like this super uber-talented tight is, end but, prospect. But his he offense is, is disgusting. Which, generally, I hear you say over and over again. Is These offenses aren't so, that bad. Darren no. Waller's, like, the Raiders actually were top 10 in point, points it because- per game last year. The Chiefs are top, what, two in points per game last year? Sure. Like, 
I don't know. You have to you either score need some volume points and you have to you either not need get volume. three all the time. You either need volume or you need efficiency. <laughs> and TJ Hawkinson will have volume, Michelle. Uh, I've never heard it take just through clenched teeth so much as what I just heard the there. This is podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. No, that, that's for real. That's that's it today, guys. I think I'll be sleeping on the couch tonight. As always, we thank you for tuning in to the show. I'm your host, Michelle. You can find me on Twitter at BallBlastM, BallBlastEM. And I'm Kate. You can follow me at <laughs> FFBallBlast. <laughs> and I'm Jake. You can follow me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. <laughs> Bye, y'all. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.